The Mission Impossible franchise is one of the biggest franchises in the world today, amassing over $3.8 billion in the box office. Its new installment, Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise is still not dead reckoning. Part 1 was in theaters earlier this weekend and has collected over $100 million at the box office already. In this week's episode, we'll be taking a look at that movie, looking at the franchise as a whole and talking about our favorite film in the entire franchise. I am Abin, that's Rohit. Let's start the show. This summer... I can understand you're very upset. You've never seen me very upset. Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, rated PG-13. Okay. This is it. This is the Mission Impossible episode. Yes, we have spoken about it in previous, uh, in on a previous episode. I think we spoke about it on the hot and cold franchises. This is one of the franchises we consider to be hot. It has stayed successful for the longest time. The franchise debuted in 1996 off the back of a television show or television series in 1990 in 1966 and no longer is the franchise associated with the tv show it is very much the tom cruise vehicle the the action stunt vehicle that audiences have uh, come to know and love and are clearly flocking to the theaters given how the box office collection is looking it's more uh, an exhibition of what tom cruise's body can uh, take right uh, I agree with everything that you said. Started off as a TV show. I think 9 out of 10 people today would not even know that, right? It is the Tom Cruise uh, franchise for, for all intents and purposes. And yes, I think in the second act of, I'm going to call it act, like our, our, our episode has three acts today. The first act yeah. is going to talk about <laughs> Dead Reckoning itself. Uh, the second act is going to talk about the franchise as a whole. And you know, the, the cliche about uh, movie scripts that the second act is probably the weakest. So we're going to have a very varied second act because each of these movies, at least the first three, four are like super different from each other in tone because uh, you, you kind of see how each director has their own vision for their iteration of a Mission Impossible movie. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, like Avin said, we'll end up with, uh, or we'll round it off with uh, discussing our favorite movie of the series, which happens to be the same, which I will not reveal for dramatic purposes. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's start with uh, Dead Reckoning, Abin. So uh, let's talk about this movie's plot to begin with. Now, this is, uh, the more I think about it, the more familiar this plot sounds like. So this is Tom Cruise, <laughs> this time not up against... Uh, an individual. Yes, there's an individual that represents the main villain, but he's up against a sentient AI that's gone rogue. Uh, the movie opens with this insane, like, hunt for Red October-like sequence, which I, I totally loved. And then you there, you have the Ethan Hunt moment, and then you obviously have the cut credits. But the antagonist of this film is primarily this AI that's gone rogue, and that's threatening to uh, fuck around with government secrets and basically cause havoc, right? And yeah. Uh, the whole point is for them to have to to get to the AI and and shut it down before things go awry, or more so than it already has. And uh, the more as I was sitting in the film, and I remember I turned to Rohit and I said, "This is the plot to Westworld Three, but obviously it's dumbed down uh, for like a for the for the average audience." The more I thought about it, the more I was like, "Okay, this is the plot to Age of Ultron because this is yeah, that's exactly this is Age of Ultron. Yeah, this is very much Age of Ultron." And I was like. Hmm, okay, fine. I'll go along with this Age of Ultron featuring Tom Cruise minus the rest of the Avengers, and which is an impressive feat because Tom Cruise manages to hold manages to hold your attention longer than a cast of like six or seven different characters with different uh, personality traits. Now, 
the film i have been very vocal about my uh, feelings about this movie on social media i did not like it i don't think it's a bad movie i think this movie is hamstrung by several factors some of which is in their control and some of which is out of their control now i went and did my research and they wrapped up principal photography on this film in february of 2021 which puts filming smack bang in the middle of the pandemic the amount of editing like editing cuts that happened between conversations between certain characters got really jarring and i turned to rohit and i turned to turn to everyone who was sitting with us and said they're not in the same room because yeah it became very obvious that none of the characters were in the same room and naturally you have to like make make do with what you have but that didn't necessarily translate well and more than anything else because of the plot of the film is so it's it's difficult to understand it's not something it's not a concept that the average individual will jump on to um quite quite easily so wings wing grams's character is entrusted with doing a lot of exposition for the audience in the earlier part of the film and it gets really tiresome it gets really tiresome it gets really cumbersome and you're just like this is not this is taking me out of the experience uh, and then when eventually the action set pieces do kick in and they are phenomenal i will i will talk about them in the latter half of the review uh they they're great to watch they're wonderfully pulled off it's just that the story part of it for me was a what was a bit of a letdown and i didn't really enjoy it as much as i out of like idly liked i actually have a different point of view on uh why i dislike the exposition in the movie right like firstly i agree with you the entire movie is is an, is like exposition extreme <laughs> everyone yeah. is like just uh talking uh concepts back and forth to each other right it's like hey if we're all on the same mission why the fuck are we explaining these things to don't we know all these things already it's like bad exposition when you know it's for the benefit of the audience and it doesn't feel organic in the context of the conversation the characters are having i would say yeah. a more egregious example of this is when that whole head of you know different heads of agencies are having that meeting with carry elves and yeah. uh, you have mark gatis for a hot second for god knows what fucking reason he's just in it says two lines in a bad american accent and bounces and everyone's just explaining things right firstly so the where i uh, where i have a different view from you is why why the exposition irritated me was not because i felt it was to explain something that the audience could not get on board but to explain something that the audience already knows because as a concept uh, omniscient ai which can be malignant is at least as old as 2015 if not much older 2015 being mm-hmm. age of ultron say let's say people aren't into comic books right like not everyone is but mass audiences would at least be familiar with the concept because of the movie and regardless of that right today's world you have uh, i mean now nowadays obviously his his word his, his words have a lot less weightage but elon musk has for a while been saying ai is dangerous you know it can get weaponized it can weaponize itself it doesn't need to get weaponized and you know mm-hmm. things can go haywire you've had fucking terminator for the last what 8 40 years terminator is essentially yeah. ai web- getting weaponized or weaponizing itself and designed to take out humans so mm-hmm. the concept is not new and people have had enough movies enough content out there to be comfortable with that idea in that scenario why the fuck are you spending so much time with your characters explaining shit that we already understand and you don't need to understand the nuances of you know how this ai is and like that whole uh, 
interagency scene people are like every uh, security network across the world this thing that thing i'm like dude you realize these superlative lines have been uttered by your own franchises movies ad infinitum or ad nauseum before why are you yeah. spending time telling a shit we already know just fucking get a move on and i think that basically ties into the film's run time this movie did not need to be 3 hours uh, this movie could have been a, a cool 2 hours 10 minutes and uh, yeah. it would have been fine there's a lot of fat that needs trimming that didn't work for me and i don't think it worked for you either and yeah. i and as good as good as the stunts were because tom cruise and and chris mcquarry they're a team that obviously want to give us the best experience when you come to a to a movie theater you and i watched this together in in imax and the the set piece sequences were phenomenally filmed especially i I would personally say the the sequence that takes place in Venice was was super enjoyable, and I think a, that that is a bit of a throwback to an old Hitchcock film called The Thirty Nine Steps, where the two lead characters mm-hmm. are handcuffed to each other. People are chasing us. Yes, they are. You're driving. This movie does. This movie uh, brings back some of the things that made the uh, the first fra- first installment of this franchise very popular now if you go back and watch mission impossible 1 which i'll get to it's a straight up like noir thriller which uses the uses dutch angles which is a shot that mm. shot below the uh, below the character's neck eye level and it's yeah. positioned yeah eye level it's positioned above them to heighten tension create suspense all, all that jazz right and when you well it can Yeah and this movie has an insane amount of dutch angles so much so that it just almost loses all of its relevance halfway through the film and especially in that nightclub sequence where i'm just like okay we don't need to have so many dutch angles we we get the point yes there's a whole fight sequence on on this little bridge that's very reminiscent of the first film yes i know we're paying tribute to it but this movie has transcended so much from its first installment where it was this noir thriller to now this full full on set action set piece that the two don't gel and it got very jarring it kind of took me out of the movie uh, several times like like i mentioned earlier and uh, I, i did not enjoy it even the the final the tom cruise jumping off the of the mountain which is which had me holding my breath and is you know some would say is worth the price of the admission ticket alone could not save the 3 hour slog fest that we had to sit through yeah in fact on the stunts bit or the technical i mean technical aspects stand alone yes i have to agree that for me is is table stakes when it comes to a mission impossible film i am not particularly going to be impressed because a mission impossible film is technically adept i mean that's exactly the reason i came to the theater yeah <laughs> how are the other things and that's what i'm going to judge but even even on the stunts front again this might be a controversial opinion but uh, i felt that dead reckoning sort of showed its hand in promotions itself yes. you shouldn't have made your all your promotions around your biggest stunt uh, and i remember there were two big pieces of pr they done the biggest one by far was the the cliff jump which mm. i i myself had seen it with two three sets of people we had played the video when people had come home and we were uh, for lack of a better term chemically altered we <laughs> were watching those uh, videos and like you know just uh, laughing about it or whatever not like getting our minds blown and after that having watched on the first of all I, okay i knew he now he's on a dirt bike i know at some point he's going to make the jump and uh, 
when that jump happened i remember in the theater everyone got silent and then started whooping but i was strangely i was just like yeah okay so i mean it happened cool this is supposed to happen yeah. and the other big pr piece which they did which they released a little closer to the movie was the train fight where they showed mm-hmm. how they may created or constructed an entire train which they eventually destroyed because yeah. nobody was giving them a random train to just destroy so i remember watching that video as well and those were the two i felt the two highlights the venice sequence or the yeah. rome sequence i forgot which city because they were in rome and venice but uh, mm-hmm. that sequence was it was fun to watch but it wasn't like the big sequence right the two big sequences yeah. are already played out in pr so i was like okay so you took out all like like i didn't yeah, have anything like to look forward to so to speak and even those two i feel those two big sequences even if i hadn't known about them i still feel they were a step down from uh the ending of fallout or uh, or even rogue nation when he jumps into that whatever whirlpool water yeah. tidal where he has to mm-hmm. hold his breath and stuff i feel those two sequences are still superior to anything this movie had so on the technical front i would still put this one or two rungs before below fallout and rogue nation uh, also a uh, shout out to shea begum and uh, whoever that black dude with him was i felt mm-hmm. they were a great comic foil because all they did throughout the film was just arrive at the scene like 2 minutes later than they should have right so yeah it was i, uh, I, I got massive uh, thompson and thompson vibes from the two of them it felt like <laughs> exactly. it, it it felt like i was like okay so you are this this universe is thompson and thompson like every time you get <laughs> and you and then they become then they become friends in the end and just like oh, okay so definitely thompson yeah. and thompson like by the 6th or 7th time when they late i was just whenever i just saw their faces i started laughing i mean i can't <laughs> take this dude these guys are nincom poops and what made it funnier was that their introduction was super badass like they you know they're skydiving out of a plane they're in like uh, yeah rangers uniform and he's giving some instructions shoot to kill this guy i'm like you guys are bumbling idiots <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> so that was fun uh, but like i said you know uh, speaking a little bit more about the points that you raised that you didn't like is uh, firstly i felt wing rames and simon peg who have been mainstays throughout the entire franchise have never been as underutilized as they were in this film yeah in any other mission impossible film I mean, wing rames was essentially a loudspeaker just like yeah, propagandizing the themes of the film mm-hmm. yeah exposition yeah. and honestly what was simon peg in the movie for even if he was entirely eliminated it would have made no difference to the plot his yeah. whole i what i remember of the movie his whole role in the film was just to say hey we were at the to ensure that uh, they started, uh, you know in a very serendipitous manner end up uh coming to the rescue of tom cruise at crucial moments he's just like yeah. orchestrating these impossibly uh perfectly timed uh, rescues and interventions and stuff but very little dialogue no screen presence so that is something i i hold against this movie they didn't utilize the two of them so similarly mm-hmm. ilsa faust we won't get into spoiler territory as to what the film does with her character but again i i feel they could have done a lot more or they could have done a lot better with her character um apart from that coming to the core tone of the film where uh, you know the bulk or the very which is at the very heart of my issue with this film it feels super corny it feels super bollywoody uh in yeah. the worst sense uh you know character you know when you have lines which are meant to elicit applause or meant to elicit engagement from the crowd 
they are not good lines they're not organic to the the what's to the screenplay they yeah. just they you know these lines are shoehorned like i remember twice or thrice in the movie some character was saying if you choose to accept if you choose to I'm like dude why the fuck are you saying that line again and again i know it it's part of the star i mean every yeah. thing it starts should you choose to accept but don't like don't draw attention to it like this it just felt weird don't run it into the ground basically yeah don't run it into the ground and uh, even character motivations i felt were very weird there was one scene where uh, tom cruise says something about hey i won't put uh, a person's life in danger uh just just before the venice bridge scene yeah. when uh, essentially says you have to pick between right i, I won't yeah, get yeah. into spoilers again mm-hmm. but uh, tom ethan hunt says no i won't do that and he walks out of the room and then uh, ilsa joins him on the balcony says some i even forgot the line and immediately he's like yeah let's okay i'm i'm okay with it i'm like what like so random yeah it it def- definitely felt like parts of this film were rushed and were clunkily put together there's a yeah. lot of video game references in this movie you now like it opens up in the arabian desert uh with ilsa faust in this tribute to salt to big boss from metal gear solid with the eye patch and you know the desert outfits and the climax of this movie i everyone was raving about it i too was raving about it back in 2009 when i saw it in uncharted 2 uh because <laughs> this is it, it i watched i remember as soon as the train was falling i was like oh come on are we not doing uncharted 2 all over again we are we uh, we ended up doing uncharted 2 big chunks of it and that's the thing right like i feel as directors i mean of course as part of the gaming community you're you're a very small a very niche audience and definitely understand that this plays very well to a larger crowd but personally that didn't have the sort of impact on me let's say as the as the endings of fallout or ghost protocol even mission impossible 3 for that matter um ha- had on me so i'm not i wasn't the biggest fan of a lot of what this movie did but uh would i recommend that you go watch it in the theater absolutely because uh a lot of these these films don't get made enough uh, and mm. there is as may as and i think we you and i are probably in the small minority of people who have not liked it there's this movie is currently at 98 97% on rotten tomatoes uh it is getting rave reviews from a large audience so i would always recommend you go check out a film for yourself and form your own opinion on it but uh for the both of us uh, surprisingly we didn't like it as much as we thought i think would. it was also because you and i went in expecting a fallout yes possibly or, or a rogue nation you and i both saw the reviews and we saw everyone talking about about this film and i think leading up to it there was only one person and if somebody who we knew personally who said they didn't like it at all and that was the only time i was like okay probably he and i have discussed disagreed on films in the past vociferously so this could have been uh, another one of the scenarios but no he was bang on the money <laughs> there are a lot of the issues that he had in the movie were a lot of the issues that i had in the movie and uh, it we, when we walked out i was like i was kind of disappointed that it had come to it had come to this but it's it's still a good time i would recommend you go check it out for yourselves and like i said form your own opinion on it and uh, that's all i have to oh, say one well, yeah one one more nice thing about the movie that we didn't uh, shout out uh, given that you were talking about it being a great theater experience the background score is fucking a banger 
Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Lon Balf. Lon Balf, right? Yeah. The E is silent, right? E's are silent. Mm -hmm. Lon Balf has just killed it in this movie. And especially in an IMAX theater, it was just like bone shakingly loud in the nice way. I'm not saying it was like jarring. Yeah, exactly. it was just like whoa it was just like in the moment it was damn good yeah. that, that was another uh, high point of the film Plus, must say yeah now uh, where does this rank in the franchise for you so let's let's do that so what we will do is let's just uh, let's rank the the seven films yeah 7.1 films that have come out over the last 30 odd years and where would you put this because um, we'll let's you know what forget that let's start with the film that you like the least in the franchise and then work backwards uh i would say mission impossible 3 is your least favorite yeah i mean i, I mean i get what it's trying to do it's a more personal it's a more grounded uh it's the most grounded of the grounded franchise of the series i would say and it's like philip seymour hoffman's character is has a very personal vendetta Uh, i mean sort of mm. solomon lane in a way but uh, it it feels the least like a mission impossible film i know mi2 exists but i'm i'm i sort of have a soft corner for it because i like the fact that john woo took risks with it so which is why mi2 is not my least favorite i would say it's mi3 what's yours i would you know what uh, funnily uh, mine would be mi2 and let's let's do this let's classify these films as according to their stunts right because that's what do you remember the plot to any of these i had i had to rewatch ghost protocol and like rogue nation to remember what the plot of the film was i usually classify the films based on their stunts uh so mission impossible 1 is the is the hanging cia sequence mission hanging. impossible 2 right yeah is the is the canyon hanging and the and the absurd uh knife fight motorcycle and the fight and <laughs> yeah of course the and and the absurd knife stunt which totally did not need to be done but we'll we'll get to that uh, yeah. number 3 is tom cruise cardio um, i don't i don't know See, what the stunt is that that's is. the thing right the most memorable stunt in tom uh, in 3 is the explosion in tom cruise while running he gets you know pushed yeah. to the side of the car on the bridge yeah. if that's the most memorable stunt in an mi film isn't that a problem Oh, I think it's. I I definitely. Uh, this was what 2006. So J J Abrams yeah. is coming off the back of Alias, and it feels very much like an Alias movie. <laughs> so, um, I don't have much of an issue with Mission Impossible Three. I think it's it's a serviceable film. I like Maggie Q's character. I like the whole uh, opening with Kerry Russell being this agent that he has to pull out of an extraction zone. I really like Philip Seymour Hoffman in the film. Um the rabbit's foot is I, mean, I have no idea what he kills what in the, every film. Yeah. I have no idea what the MacGuffin in this film does. It's is it another bioweapon? Yes, it's a lot more personal, but you could also make the argument that it's it's very by the numbers, right? So Mission Impossible 3 could possibly be um the most the safest out of the, out of the seven films. Which is exactly so why it's the one I like the least. uh but my am i too because it's a lot of things um the first half of this movie is this weird bond rip off uh they try yeah, to make the, it a bond the movie the tandy newton and his car this thing is literally out of a bond film yeah even in the party where he's like they're in the, they're in the tub and you know there, there, there's a whole thing going on and it felt very weird 
And I think Tom Cruise and the producers were restraining John Woo for the first half of the film. They're like, no, John, you cannot do this. We, we, we cannot put pigeons in so early into the film. And the second half of the movie, John Woo takes off and there's like a Mission Impossible film that goes along with it. Which is why uh, I fucking love. I mean, I almost <laughs> see. This is going to be my second uh, least liked MI2. I mean, I mean, uh, Mission Impossible film, but still, I like it a lot more than three because the second half is this bad shit, insane. <laughs> and uh, people are jousting you, with motorcycles where they, you know, they break and their front and they're punching each other. I'm like, what are you doing, dudes? John Woo really brought his action style into this into the franchise, and it. It went from like a, a, a cool 60 miles an hour, I mean 60 miles an hour, a cool 60 kilometers an hour to a good 200 kilometers per hour in an hour in like uh, record speed, right? So, yes. and apparently um, the, the final sequence with Doug Ray Scott where Tom Cruise and Doug Ray Scott are wrestling in the mud and Doug Ray Scott has a knife in his hand. Uh, uh, Doug Ray Scott, you know, he brings the knife down on Tom Cruise's um, face and it stops right b- b- before his eye. Yeah, yeah. So the knife was attached to a cable. So that Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise's last minute suggestion. He was attached to this high tension cable that Doug Ray Scott was pulling. And as he brought it down it uh, to Tom Cruise's eye, the knife would like go fully taut. <laughs> and this cable snapped because... No, it doesn't. It, like it, yeah, yeah. I mean, Thank God. I thought you were saying something was, like... No, no, it was, that, that was the whole thing. It was Tom Cruise was mad even back then where he said, I'm just going to like, why don't you just attach a high tension cable so it looks nicer on camera? Why Real can't you just act? Like, just <laughs> act and stop. It's that famous Lawrence Olivier incident with uh, this guy, right? Dustin Hoffman. I think it was uh, Marathon Man or something where Dustin Hoffman, before mm-hmm. a scene where he has to uh, look tired after running, he actually apparently ran for 40 minutes and then came onto the scene. And apparently mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier uh, asked him what happened. He said, no, I just ran because I wanted to look authentic. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier was like, why don't you try acting? <laughs> just said, why do you need a high tension cable? Why don't you try acting, dude? <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, Mission Impossible uh, Two for me is—I feel like it's like a—it's uh, like a time capsule because yeah, if you it's look very two thousands, like it's super two thousands. Yeah, peak. Yeah, it has the the long hair. It has the Oakley wraparound shades. It has the it has the um, Limbiscuit soundtrack. Yeah, the Limbiscuit song, which I still listen to to this day, shamelessly. Take a look around. It's a yep. great, it's a great song, and, and it's a great yeah. workout song as well. So it's it's very much a time capsule, but that does not always necessarily translate in terms of it being a good watch. It it it's long too, and it, you kind of feel the length of the film. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't enjoy it as much. So what would be your fifth? I think your fifth would be MI two in that case, right? Uh, no, as in sixth. How many, how many are there? There's seven. No, seven. Sorry, sorry. So it would be the sixth. Yeah, sixth, my bad. I, sixth would be MI two. Your sixth would be MI three. Then. My sixth would be this would be uh, Dead Reckoning. I did oh, not damn. enjoy it as <laughs> okay. I did not enjoy it as much as I 
I, I thought I would dead reckoning for me was uh, was quite a disappointment. It's only John Woo's sheer batshit craziness and Tom Cruise's 2000ism that are, that are keeping it away <laughs> from being the least favorite <laughs> film in the franchise. Who knows? Maybe in like a couple of years, I'll revise my list and be like, you know what? I like how stupidly MI2 has aged because uh, I have a very soft spot for it. And I might just shift it around. But as of now, it's not seven. It's it's nice to acknowledge that somebody is different, right? Like you you know me, you know how how I love my friends. I love them batshit crazy, absurd. It just doesn't work in this. Like if it was a full-fledged John Woo film, I would have been like, yeah, of course. Let's, this is a big John Woo It doesn't fit in the the mold of MI for sure. It is the most outlandish MI film by miles. Like not even Exactly, yeah. (laughs) I agree. So, So, okay. So number six is Dead Reckoning for you. My number five would be, uh, I would say it's a tie between... uh, Dead Reckoning and Ghost Protocol for me. Ghost Protocol, pure, actually, no, I would say Dead Reckoning. I would say Dead, because Ghost Protocol still has the Burj Khalifa sequence. It is fucking bonkers. Yeah. For 2011, <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, insane. So, yeah, I would say Dead, Dead Reckoning for sure is my fifth fifth movie. What about you? My number five would be um, Mission Impossible 3. I think, yeah. I feel like it's, it's the safe spot to be in where it's, it's not what do you call it? To, like it, it, it's a good action entertainer. I, I can sit down, I can watch watch it and I can just move on with my life. It's one of those, it, yeah. it, it's a, a mill action film and I think it being smack bang in the middle kind of works. Uh, Actually, it's very regard. JJ Abrams if you think about it, right? Because I was just thinking movies that <laughs> Lenslayer is one. <laughs> I think Lost apart, JJ Abrams, I don't think takes big narrative risks. He likes to stick to he the does. formula. Look at Force Awakens. Even if you look at uh, what was that found footage movie with the aliens? No, no. Uh, fuck, I'm forgetting. Cloverfield. Like for all the hype it had, it was such a by the numbers movie. I was so bored. I was like, what the fuck? Like you, you, you hype did this like Cloverfield? Oh, we're gonna fight! I love Cloverfield. It's such a fun no, movie. Like it's so bizarre. It could have been. It could have been so much more. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Like look at Ten Cloverfield Lane. Hmm. Related premise. Very different. It's a different. Very different. Very different movie. movie. Very yeah. different movie. I'm. I'm just saying found footage. You can do so much with found footage. Now even look at the searching yeah. and missing sort of films, which are again constrained yeah. cinema, right? Where it's screens. Yes. You can use constraint cinema in such you can you know you can leverage the form to tell a, a story differently. You don't have to pick between form and uh story, right? I just feel yeah. if if JJ Abrams like, hey, I'm taking one risk, I will take at best one risk. With Star Wars, the risk yeah. was hey, He's- I'm taking on a big franchise, so I'll play it safe. With Cloverfield, it was like, hey, I'm doing found footage. So the alien story is gonna be super run by numbers. With uh, mm. with uh, Mission Impossible again, hey, I am following in the bad shit crazy steps of John Woo, so uh, nobody knows what this is going to be. So I'm going to play like it. I don't know. He's, he's almost like a like a fra- franchise resetter, right? JJ Abrams because yeah. he comes in, he's yeah. like, okay, what made the previous franchise good? Let's let's stick to that. Let's let's sprinkle my bit in because even Star Trek 2009 is a great. It's a fun movie. Would you call it a great movie? No. No. Uh, exactly. When it came, when it came to, uh, did he do the sequel? The sequel was was terrible. I did not enjoy it at all. So, uh, the the wrath of Khan redux. Anyway, uh, JJ has coming this. Back, coming back. Yeah, coming back. We'll we'll get to JJ in in JJ's <laughs> episode. But so that moving was your on number to number five. 
yeah what's your uh, number, number four, four for me would be ghost protocol uh, hmm. because a i don't find the antagonist in michael nyquist and nyquist i don't know nyquist yeah hmm. michael nyquist's antagonist doesn't really excite me i don't find his motives to be super compelling he's just a professor who is like hey let's fuck the world I'm like go teach a class but why the fuck are you like winning the world <laughs> and uh, and the whole anil kapoor sequence like it just makes me ashamed to be an indian dude like <laughs> that's that's all i can say uh, <laughs> i would disagree with you like that uh, sanidel like, remember that sanidel movie i proud to be an indian like after watching yeah. the anil Ka- i ashamed to be an indian <laughs> <laughs> oh dude um <laughs> i will i will hold off on that thought because my number 4 is uh this is controversial my number 4 is rogue nation which is i wow. feel is, is a, that is a hot take a, very hot uh, <laughs> it's a hot take it <laughs> up until very recently up until recently rogue nation was like my number 3 but now i have shifted it to number 4 um and i'll tell you why so rogue nation i think is is a amazing film right it's got that opening that tom cruise hanging off the plane sequence is is stupid yeah. you know not once have we referred to the character of this film we keep calling ethan on tom cruise i mean because this yeah, movie because is tom cruise ethan hunt is a proxy yeah. for tom cruise at this point <laughs> yeah but but ethan hunt hanging off the side of an airplane and i didn't know what that would look like in in a movie theater i'd seen it it's this sort of rushes in the in in like the trailer right yeah yeah i was Uh, i i was like gobsmacked i was sitting in the theater i'm just like are you absolutely crazy you batshit 55 year old man <laughs> what are you doing but for our, for our entertainment this was a time i i realized that tom cruise had some sort of a death wish and he was doing his best to like off himself on camera for for our entertainment so <laughs> it has it has that it has a very serviceable plot much like most of the mi films you don't really go for the plot you just go the, go to be entertained and taken along for this ride it has yeah. one of my characters in the mi franchise in elsa faust rebecca ferguson's elsa faust i quite enjoy this mi6 agent gone undercover and i like solomon lane i don't think um i i is it sean harris right sean harris is, is, sean is good. i love solomon lane i love mm-hmm. solomon lane character because i feel sean harris brings this sort of nihilistic energy to the character is like yeah i'm an anarchist because fuck everything like just just yeah. end everything will you know hit the reset button will be he yeah. tries to do over two movies right it, it spills yeah. over into fallout as well he, but uh, as a matter of fact i think because he's such a like um engaging antagonist they split his part across two films and i really wish yeah. they brought him back for this because it would have made that whole ethan hunt arc um i guess more yeah. memorable Yeah, my number four is Rogue Nation. It has a really fun bike chase sequence. It has a really fun the underwater search, uh, trying to retrieve the files. Dude, that is is, is pure high tension. Yeah, uh, but I feel like it narrowly misses out on the number three spot, which I will save for my next film. Uh, so my number three would be the first film. Again, this it's purely because uh, I have to reserve the top two spots for the other two remaining films, but. Uh, I really like the first movie. Uh, while we did say that each of the, at least the first four movies were very different from each other in tone, mm-hmm. the first one still lays down the ground rules that the franchise at large follows to this day, which is, uh, you know, you need a big world-spanning plot, you need outrageous stunts, 
uh, again it, it obviously it borrows a lot of this from the bond films which is another point i i want to touch upon once we discuss the franchise at large but um, it 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 lays that groundwork down brian de palma does uh, a great job of starting the franchise off brilliantly um again it has very tense stunts the whole you know hanging down onto the floor yeah. is is brilliant right it's iconic it's iconic that is uh i mean it's it's outstanding it it has the train fight sequence as well which again mm-hmm. this film paid homage to um yeah. so yeah a lot to like about it uh and i feel in terms of uh correct me if i'm wrong i uh, my memory might be failing me but the whole idea is to get this list of agents right which yeah. might fall into enemy hands it's, it's a lot more grounded yes. in plot it's not like some vague world destroying this thing or whatever it's it you know, like having a list of agents makes sense it's it's still grounded yeah. it's it's probably the most grounded of the mission impossible films in that sense so i like it for a lot of these reasons i will save my thoughts on it because uh, number 3 coming up after a recent rewatch is mission impossible ghost protocol now <laughs> we can book in this film like you began i think you mentioned i think it was your number number 4 i think or number 5 five. Uh, 5 yeah so mission impossible ghost protocol is fun like it's it's straight up fun every this movie is not pretending to be anything else i don't think any of this franchise generally pretends to be anything else but it's possibly the goofiest entry in the last four films <laughs> because you it opens in this russian prison which has like i think this is a brad bird uh, directed film right and i i quite like mm-hmm. brad bird he's directed two of my favorite movies of all time and it's it's goofy it's hilarious it has for me i i still maintain that the burj khalifa climbing sequence is up there in possibly the craziest things tom cruise has ever done uh, yeah. all he had was like some i think he had a cable attached to him and he was just uh and the, uh, the insurance company so much this is a little story here the insurance company refused to insure him um if he went ahead and went ahead and did the burj khalifa stunt sequence so what tom cruise did like any sane individual would was he fired them and replaced <laughs> them with a different insurance <laughs> imagine the insurance company. agents this thing right whenever he gets a call say it's like tom cruise or tom cruise agent caller id says that this dude is just going to get a panic attack like what now <laughs> what are you going to do this time <laughs> what premium storm <laughs> yeah. so the bush khalifa climbing sequence is it's just it's crazy i have like this small television in my room where i sit and watch films even i was sitting and watching it the other day and i was holding my chair as he was climbing up the bloody thing it's it's yeah, terrifying and the, the one fear i have is heights like probably the yeah. thing i fear the most is heights so mm. uh, i remember when i when i grew up in dubai there's you know those emirates stars hotel the the pointy ones yeah. the yes, ones yes. that point like this or whatever mm. so yeah. those had if i remember 48 floors or something and it had a glass lift with a whatever like a transparent bottom which took mm. you to the 40th floor so i remember going in the lift and somewhere around floor number 20 or something i held the side of the lift and then around that time i held my mom's i was at 10 11 at the point at that time i held my mom's hand or i held her leg i was like to no like fuck this i can't do this i'm going to close my eyes and so 48 this guy's fucking doing this at like floor 120 or something like, i can't my like my balls had shriveled into my body right out of fear i'm like i, I can't still, do it <laughs> 
it's still not the most, most bizarre thing he did no you, i assume you've seen the photo of him sitting atop the bridge yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah which is which we featured on the last episode so if you want to hear rohit react to that photo in real time it's uh, it's on that last episode in the hot and cold franchise you should definitely check it out so there are two pick there are two people who've done it there's him and there's will smith and there's will smith who's absolutely harnessed to the gills who stood there taking a picture and then Tom Cruise barefoot sitting on what would assume is some sort of a junction box and him just like happily smiling and they asked him on Graham Norton thing saying what were you thinking he's like that day i wasn't afraid of falling so the the man has clearly ascended to a different plane of like of thinking what it comes down to i do not want to get into because it could it, it's a very different topic but he clearly mm. has a mindset where he's just not afraid anymore he's like he's like okay if it has to happen it'll happen but coming back to the film again nuclear war codes madman uh, and now my my recent my most favorite part of the film is is bridge north which is hot anil kapoor anil kapoor's bridge north because you give anil kapoor a lot of shit for whatever but when you tell him to play goofy he picks up a bat and he swings for the fucking fences and because it's exactly what he's doing in this movie he has some of the most insane lines ever put to film that i'm sure other actors would have read and walked off the set but anil kapoor says no no i've got this i'll make it work and he and make it work anil kapoor says chakas <laughs> yeah like what is indian men are hot in, in, in comparison to chakas he is what he has like a 5 to 10 minute role in the film and it's i was just thankfully brief yeah it's brief it's like uh, the rewatchables has this uh, section in their in their podcast it's called the dion waiters award and dion waiters is this nba player who has the, who had the maximum impact in the shortest period of time so if there was ever a dion waiters award on this podcast for uh, best performance in this film it's anil kapoor he is so memorable that even people who didn't grow up with him will come come to you and be like oh, who is that dude that guy was hilarious <laughs> but yeah it's i mean so it's bad, like dude. in terms of yeah barring the burj khalifa sequence is not it's not the most set pc films i think it was it it walked so the other films could run uh so yeah. it's, it's it's good it's good fun i think it's it, this is a film i will rewatch again because it it's funny it's it's lighthearted uh, i like jeremy renner's uh, william brandt also in the film it's a great addition mm. he's in the, this is the first time he makes an appearance so uh, i definitely my number 3 my number 2 is rogue nation because mm. um again i like i said i love solomon lane as an antagonist i love sean harris's portrayal of him i i love the stunts in the film they i mean it's not a burj khalifa uh, or it's not the fallout and sequence but uh, the underwater sequence is amazing um ilsa faus is a great character to be added uh, to the franchise also again like you said i i don't remember much of uh, what uh, solomon lane's motivation is i just know it is like end of world or like world domination shit as usual but um, yeah. it's just a very tight movie and i if i recall rogue nation doesn't have a very uh, long run time like they they were no. not fucking around in well, that movie yeah. yeah it's like hey this is what we are this is the story we here to tell we're going to tell and get the hell out of your face like we're not going to overstay our welcome so that's what i like mm-hmm. about the movie it's a good tight watch and you know it's got great rewatch value uh, in my opinion so uh, again it, it 
the way you were saying right mission impossible 3 it ticks all the boxes it plays it safe i would say rogue mm. nation ticks all the boxes without playing it safe it still takes a yeah, few for sure i like it yeah no so that's your number 2 right my number 2 is the first entry so um i like this film for a lot of reasons primarily being brian de palma because brian de palma takes like an espionage spy show and turns it into this like i said this 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 noir dark film with with dutch angles and it's it's almost like a hitchcockian take on uh, on the spy genre and brian de palma is famous for this right he's he was considered hitchcock light he's made a series of films in the 80s that are all hitchcock inspired if you haven't watched them i highly recommend that you do cuz uh, the film's primarily being dressed to kill is probably not aged so well uh, but still a good fun watch Blood starring John Travolta a lot of fun and Body Double Body Double is Body Double and Blood are two of my favorite Brian De Palma films and of course I'm not even talking about The Untouchables or even uh, Scarface what a, what a decade the 80s were for Brian De Palma so and I think this is a point in Tom Cruise's career where he's choosing to work with like top notch talent I think this is 3 years removed from uh from Eyes Wide Shut where he did work with Stanley Kubrick mm-hmm. and He's an action star. I mean I think he's a movie star. He's very much a movie star at this point. Terry McGuire has come and gone and the 90s days of thunder everything has happened. And I think now he wants to envision himself as um uh, as this action star. And I think the seeds of it were planted in Mission Impossible. Uh, it has some of like like we spoke about earlier some of the most tense sequences in the film, especially um the first half of the film where the entire imf barring ethan hunt gets wiped out like emilio estevez's death uh, death by elevator grid is, is, is still up there as one of the weirdest death sequences ever <laughs> and it has vanessa redgrave as this um as this mob boss and there are a lot it's like this motley crew of characters that come together so well the aquarium sequence the aquarium restaurant scene where Uh, Ethan Hunt is told that he's by Henry Chesney of all people who made a comeback in in uh, Dead Reckoning, Dead Reckoning it, uh, about how everyone is dead and it looks like Ethan's the one responsible for it and he shoots the aquarium and like the water and then runs out of it very memorable sequence the the hanging CIA Langley sequence where his sweat is about to drop and trigger yeah. the motion sensors and he like catches it 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 is uh, insane and it, it's it's so good and as as is the the final train the train fight sequence which which is it's somehow right? better than the train fight sequence in dead reckoning even though it's like almost 30 years old i mean i there yeah, I, i said it <laughs> <laughs> e <laughs> ouch so um yeah i think it's it's a good mystery thriller i think if you if you're looking for a film that kind of started it all it's far removed from its current iterations and i don't think the current iterations as much as they try and pay homage to it will ever go back to that that formula it's yeah. still a very entertaining nice film that you should watch yeah so now before we go on to the the first film which is the same for abhin and i i just want to like that's our third act right before we get into that yeah. just want to uh, talk about a couple of points about the franchise as a whole these are just observations i was making when i was thinking about I was just kind of you know ruminating on the franchise before we started the recording. One thing I realized about uh, obviously I mean getting the obvious things out of the way this the Mission Impossible franchise sort of took the baton from the Bond films and said hey you had your time in the 
70s and 80s i'll take it from here right now i will be yeah. the the franchise that you should have been yes hmm. daniel craig has revitalized the the franchise and it it is it has made it a lot more relevant uh, but it was like the bond franchise was in danger of being super irrelevant i mean think about the fact that mi2 and die another day came in the same came out in the same year and they are like polar opposites hmm. in terms of tone in terms of stakes in terms of how they treat their female characters it's like yeah. mi2 is a lot less misogynistic um it is just very different right i'm i'm glad uh, the bond franchise sort of got a reboot uh with daniel craig that said mi has now the franchise has now got its own place it cemented it it does a lot of the things bond film does but it with its own unique spin so i really like that about the franchise the other thing i wanted to uh, ask you about which you might have a, a little bit more to say than i do it a lot of its plots have a very video gamey aspect in the sense that you know in video games how it's like hey in order so what you need is a like nuclear core i yeah. need to turn on some generator to turn on the generator i need to go open some door to open some door i need some key so first you got to find the key then you got to open the door and then after opening the door you start the generator to open some all together mi has a lot of that in many places that's like the end goal is like far away there are like pre goals or sub goals you know yeah. which which become standalone action sequences in the film i don't know i feel it, like i thought it was interesting it could be frustrating at times but most times they do manage to pull it off and yeah i felt for some time that the mission impossible franchise is a mix of bond meets video games in terms mm-hmm. of you have the the action parts of the bond franchise not necessarily the character because i the the actor has surpassed the character yes we we look at daniel craig and we see we also see james bond there's the duality you see the character and the actor and ethan hunt because tom cruise is such a huge pers- persona there's not a lot to the main character there's no yeah. trait his trait is he doesn't have a plan he'll figure it out uh, as he as, as he goes along that's the one thing that, that sounds like he, tom cruise <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh he uh he always is is very loyal to his friends and to the people he cares about. That's that's Tom Cruise and and he never gives up. That's his thing, right? Bond I think is a little yeah. more layered. Yeah. And the video game action sequences I I think you need to give Chris McQuarrie a video game entity because he kind of knows how to do it. Um the films don't try to pretend to be anything high bro. They're very straightforward. They're like, okay, we will address plot point 1 subplot point 1 move into subplot point 2 and ultimately all of these things will come together and in one big beautiful climax where um it's a visual treat and a jaw dropping spectacle for all so i i agree that it definitely it's like a video game done right and i don't know if that's a criticism or if it's a compliment i would definitely put it in the latter basket Yeah I mean I didn't know I mean I didn't mm. have any either or I just like hey it's an observation I made I thought you would have mm. I like you did you had more insight on it uh mm. last bit one one bit of trivia before we uh, jump into talking about our favorite uh, MI film uh, this is something I was telling you after the movie in the parking lot as well uh so 
couple of a month or so back i had set a quiz as part of which when i was doing research i found this fund out which is that uh, so the morse code uh, for those of you who may or may not know morse code essentially represents letters using a mix of dots and dashes right so mm-hmm. the morse code for m is dash dash and the morse code for the letter i is dot dot so when you write m i in morse and you read it out it goes dash dash dot dot so that's where mm-hmm. the composer for the tv show lalo shifrin got the idea he built off of that mm-hmm. of the morse code for mi that's how you get the tan 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 that's how you get the the iconic that mi theme you, from yeah that that piece of trivia blew my mind when you first told me and i went back and is the it, it incorporates the the five four time signatures i don't i don't it's yes. the time signatures yeah is that it in coblets is very different compared to the 4x4s and and the other ones that are out there i am no musician i don't ask me these questions so but, th- but, but yeah, this much that, of trivia, I I, yeah. yeah yeah i just wanted to so, pull it out um, yeah hmm, all right so number 1 drum roll uh mission impossible fallout yes by chris mccory um stars tom cruise um, henry cavill henry Samuel cavill thanks Henry Cavill's arms, yes, Wayne Graham's, uh, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson, and uh, Angela and Bassett. Sean, yeah. Angela Bassett, Alec Sean ba- Harris, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. So, big, huge cast. And once again, uh, this is a film about plutonium cores that are about to be set off, um, like two nuclear blasts that are about to be set off in the Himalayas. And you're trying to get the, stop the bad guy from doing so, right? Yeah. This movie's opening pre-credit sequence is my favorite pre-credit sequence in the entire MI franchise. I would I think second to this is the first film where because you you don't know what's happening the first film plays this really long tense sequence that then turns out to be a setup. Um and I think uh, Macquarie kind of pays tribute to it in in this where they're interrogating the uh, Uh, the 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 scientist about yeah uh, nuclear cores and he thinks like and and on television you can see like nuclear bomb blasts have occurred and they get him to confess and the walls drop walls <laughs> which yeah. is a very mi thing isn't it like yeah yeah and uh, simon peg walks in as wolf blitzer <laughs> so <laughs> it's it, it's a very weird bizarre sequence that i absolutely adore and it sets the tone for what i think is not just the greatest film in this franchise but one of the greatest action movies i have ever seen i agree i agree again uh fallout does have a fairly long run time it's it is like 2 hours 45 odd minutes i think but mm-hmm. in this case you don't feel it at all right start to finish the movie is taught everything that is in the movie needs to be there nothing feels forced nothing feels uh and you you know even things that might seem off putting at first because i remember when i was watching the movie for the first time uh i was like yeah this uh this august walker character the the guy that henry cavill plays august walker character seems a little dumb and incompetent like how is he like a cia top dog why is he like keeping an eye on ethan hunt like he seems like a bumbling idiot especially that skydiving sequence where essentially tom yeah. cruise saves his life and like this guy is a bit of a dumbass and then spoiler alert when it turns out henry cavill is the bad guy like oh he was playing it all along i was like fuck nice i mean in hindsight i kind of clocked you, it you, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because so in hindsight, you're like, earlier. why is he there, right? He must be the bad guy. Why is Henry Cavill taken up a dumbass's role? Exactly. So, so I, I, as I was watching the movie, I'm like, who is this John Law character? And then as the film kept going, I was like, okay, so Henry Cavill didn't come here to play second fiddle to um, Tom Cruise. Even though he is Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill is fucking Superman at that point. So yeah. it... he is not going to play second fiddle and as the john lark character grew grew as and there are hints right in the film the motorbike sabotage the the hero jump sabotage there are little yeah. things where he tries to just keep it not behind and in order to get some, some sort of edge on him it became very clear that okay he is the the second or the the unrevealed antagonist in the film that eventually does get revealed yeah. uh and Cavill, That's the reveal scene is great. Yeah, the reveal scene is great with uh, uh, with Sean Harris and um, and Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg right? having like a, a switch role, a double switch. Now, this movie is doesn't stop. It holds your hand at the start and just pulls you along for this ride. Yeah, it begins with no one really talks about how impressive that hero jump sequence is not just cuz um tom cruise is jumping off um uh, a plane and on camera it he's jumping off with a guy who has a camera attached to his head and has to keep him in focus it <laughs> is a technical marvel like couldn't have been done the way it does and it looks so damn good apparently they shot this in abu dhabi and then switched it over to paris in, in the in post the, mm. the clouds thing is like it's digitally added but when they did the, did the whole jump sequence it it is a like i mentioned a technical marvel it's so damn good and instantly sets off a tone for where you're going with this movie yeah i agree and even the the bike chase sequence in paris like generally i i get bored with bike chase sequences i have very short attention span with i don't know because yeah. bikes are like cheat codes right you can you can avoid most obstacles you can cut through small spaces so uh, they tend to lose excitement because these these things can go anywhere i'm like yeah okay cool nothing is off the table they somehow still make the bike chase sequence in in this film very exciting when he gets hit by that uh, car and he just falls off and like so much yeah. shit happens in that in that paris paris bike sequence is very entertaining that and the then he's ch- when he's chasing john lark on foot which is the foot, you, yeah. you know the 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 tom cruise cardio sequence that's there in every movie of his this is the one in fallout again very long drawn out suspenseful sequence where a lot of things keep happening it's you know like you have these one takes where you're like wow how are they still doing this this the scene is like how is he still running how is he still at it it's insane i mean and to say nothing of the climax sequence which we'll get to yeah but uh it's the 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 i call the running sequence the ankle breaker sequence right because he <laughs> he makes the jump and he breaks his ankle and they keep the shot yeah. in the film they uh, kept the shot with I, i was like why did they pick that shot where he actually broke his ankle which he, and he got up and he kept like hobbling and like he kept going he wobbled his way through and then <laughs> then fell yeah. and, and then see, production shut down breaks. for 4 months <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, fair dude, enough. Ankle, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, ankle breaks are painful, and no one understands how bad it is, especially if you're at that age where it takes time for you to heal. Um, oh, it's it's oh, this commitment to the to the craft, right? Uh, but let's just let's pull back a bit, and as they halo jump into Paris and into this nightclub where they have to like track the White Widow, who's meeting John Locke. 
they run into the bathroom and mm. this is like i mean we've we've spoken about this in the previous episode about how it's like a a, a nod or a rip off to to real redemption but it's so damn good and i think this scene doesn't work without henry cavill yes it works it's great but henry cavill is why you remember the scene the most one because he loads his arms and he was i think about that his sequence i think once every week at least it's the single reason why most of us went to the gym and started lifting weights because they're like okay <laughs> what the how do i do that <laughs> how do i get my arms to be that big and grow a pocket at the same time so it's just like i'm very curious and then when he catches him and he flings him from like birth to birth like he across the basins i was like what the hell yeah. I, I this is if the there's a scene where cavill's walking in this in a suit and he's got the like the wide shoulders and and the tapered cut and everything i'm just like dude how are you not born yet and i'm sure he's not going to be born because he's too big to be born and born usually he's too big to be born slight, yeah yeah a slightly lesser known actor and then makes them the superstar that oh you meant big become. like that i i meant even physically he's too big to be born <laughs> Oh I would dude I would love to see a Cavill Bond like he would just start putting people through walls no that he literally be like a, a brute force bond like yeah, no exactly, no gadgets right? and all like, gadgets are my fingers and my hands that's all the gadgetry <laughs> i need like he was I mean, and it'll be nice for him because he's lost two uh franchises yeah, yeah, over stupid true. stupid people uh, and it would be nice for him to get back to the franchise he lost first so that's, that's true. is yeah it was ultimately him and daniel craig right and craig was the one that that eventually won because henry cavill was too young but henry imagine like movies. henry cavill's bond in in say like a goldfinger right where it was goldfinger where that laser thing is there no like yeah. you no know, mr bond i expect you to die henry cavill would be like ha ha fuck that he'll break open his shackles <laughs> and walk away <laughs> i'm henry cavill bitch shut up i was superman what are you doing so <laughs> Laser oh I have lasers of my own way. Bombard. So, yeah, like coming back. He's not really a good looking yeah. dude. Yeah, he's also got great presence. I think that really contributes to his character. Yeah. And uh, how would you describe I think we've kind of addressed this a bit but what is the, what is the plot of this film that there are there are nuclear devices about to be detonated and uh, no, so I think Solomon Lane continues to play that anarchist fellow this whole John Lark dude is like this super anarchist it's like his boss yeah he's even more yeah. anarchist I don't know how you have levels in anarchy but he's even more anarchist so uh, John Lark wants to free Solomon Lane who has been imprisoned at the end of Rogue Nation and yeah. uh, they want to reset the world order god knows what that means but they keep talking mm-hmm. about resetting the world order and uh, essentially what that means or that translates to is bombing the the not the water supply sorry, the water source of the ganga <laughs> and the this thing you know two of the largest river systems in the world so that most people a big chunk of people get a nuclear fallout and um, mm. i guess that helps to reset the world order i don't know like i guess so i mean don't you shouldn't try to like dig deep into too much logic when it comes to mi films but uh, that's their plan ethan hunt or tom cruise is like i got to stop them so initially we don't know who john lark is um, henry cavill plays the cia agent called august walker who is like the mm-hmm. cia 
they call him a plumber in one scene essentially he cleans yeah. up people's messes he's like that he hmm. he takes he's a fixer so yeah. um, he is asked by the ci lady who played by played by angela bassett to sort of keep an eye on um tom cruise or ethan hunt and the imf which we haven't addressed the fact it's a fucking ridiculous name impossible mission force <laughs> can you <laughs> take a second to think about how bullshit that sounds right impossible, impossible mission, mission force, force. So they, they kind of uh, make fun of it in the in, in, in the, the dead reckoning, change. yeah, in the latest yeah. one. So, um, so yeah, he's keeping an eye on. He's a caretaker for the impossible mission force, and uh, over the course of the movie, you realize uh, he is in fact John he's, Lark, he's and John Lark. he sets Solomon Lane free, and they go off to Nepal, I think, to sort of yeah. execute their plan. It's not India; it's Nepal in the story. Yep. And then Speaking Ethan of, follows uh, them. Yeah. Yeah. speaking of uh, solomon lane's uh, breakout the single i mean in, in a film with like great shots one of the single great shots in this film is when they they knock the the police transport vehicle into the into the sand oh, yeah. in paris in paris right? they knock paris. into the sand yeah and uh, as the water enters solomon lane's um <gasps> <laughs> and it and as you see the shot of it entering at an angle and yeah. watching Sean Harris like um say like take a, gulp yeah, take oxygen to yeah. yeah to to stay under to stay alive is so good i was wondering how they did it how they got the angle how they managed to slow it down this it's super there are so many good action sequences in this film it's I guess I completely forgot about this one until you mentioned it. And when you did, I was like, "Oh yeah, this was also kick-ass." There are so yeah. many good actions. It's jam-packed. It's like, like I said, there's no wasted time in this movie at all. So yeah, like I was saying, I they go to Nepal where Ethan Hunt follows them, and then we have the insane climax of the movie, right? Which is like, we've said batshit insane. I don't know if there's a level above batshit insane because that's where Fallout resides. The climax of Fallout resides. <laughs> Henry Cavill talks about how they would um, do beat filming sequences, and they turn around, and he and he's like, "Oh, that's just Tom Cruise flying in a helicopter over the Himalayas with no stuntman, and they would just be sitting there and observing this crazy man doing crazy things and just staring in disbelief." And actually, now that you think about it, like MI two has two motorcycles jousting, fucking Fallout. Yeah. essentially has two, two helicopters jousting it's not run flying at each other but it's like playing bumping cars with helicopter I'm like what are you doing it's, and you know the, the one where he's hanging on to the rope and like with the package that's that's attached to it yeah, yeah on the yeah. helicopter <laughs> i thought it would cj for the longest time until they released photos and i to which i said you've got to be shitting me like this is this man is just nuts the commitment to Uh, the craft like we've mentioned several times in this episode is is borderline psychopathic it's what borderline it's dude so, it's not healthy <laughs> it's, it's for our entertainment and i i think it made a great action film and i have have been this champion for practical effects which really should be this big eye opener for for hollywood being like okay yes sprinkle in a bit of cg but look what you can do practically and how you can maintain the the tension so well participant for it right i'm sure yeah. there are a lot of stunt doubles also who would balk at the stuff tom cruise does in stunt doubles like is this guy insane 
have you seen the the behind the scenes of of the dead reckoning stunt where chris mcquarry it's the first thing they ever shot right and as the, he the goes jump, off yeah. the jump and as he's dropping and there's this deadly silence in behind the director's yeah. screen and then someone said we saw a canopy we saw a canopy and they just chris mcquarry just like holds his head and falls back and the hey, and the ad comes and yeah, holds on to him and he's like it's okay we got it we got it uh and then hey, tom cruise goes then mcquarry didn't know if he just killed tom cruise right so. yeah <laughs> and that happens in every movie you know he's like i don't know if this is going to be the one that does it <laughs> mcquarry no i have a question though like the bikes yeah. that were driven ridden off the ramp did they yeah. did they jump yeah. those bikes So you have yeah, they, bike debris in a forest you just polluted that forest that's pretty fucked up right? No they they pull the bikes out of out of there they're not they're responsible because if they do that the government I is going to come so. down on their ass Yeah Norwegian government yeah. will kill them dude so <laughs> I hope they did They crashed a train dude what's a bike Yeah fair enough <laughs> Fair enough But yeah I mean like we were mentioning there's these jousting helicopters in the end of Fallout and the climax big climaxes uh this fight scene that takes place at the end and edge of a, a cliff i think this movie was shot in either new zealand or norway it's said to be set in norway. the us but it wasn't yeah norway because that cliff yeah. is very like fjordy kind of yeah. uh, look it has so where again these two go there is typical mi race against time ticking ticking clock situation and he needs to find some trigger and he's fighting uh, henry cavill's character for that and yeah. uh, again it's so fucking insane finally down to 2 seconds uh, they show okay the bombs have stopped it cuts to tom cruise dude is like hanging one hand he's got detonator in the other hand it's like sheer cliff under him and i i I cannot be 100% sure whether that was cgi or not it could very well no, be no, literally that- tom cruise No that's actually the cliff face uh, so that cliff is a popular tourist spot in Norway and No that's not Trolltunga <laughs> the one you're talking about is Trolltunga uh, oh. I have been to Trolltunga this is not Trolltunga because okay. that jutted out a lot more this was a straight okay. this one mm. but uh, I mean whatever right what the fuck was he doing like dude <laughs> green screen at least sometime dude you don't have to like, always <laughs> do it in real life I think it, like the pandemic forced him to adapt <laughs> adopt to a green screen. The way he would have figured it out in the uh, he would have actually figured something out for the train sequence in, in Dead Reckoning as well. Yeah. But dude, uh, Fallout I think still remains one of the most rewatchable uh, Mission Impossible films. It's it's actually Absolutely. such a fun fun movie to sit down and watch. I, there's a story about how my my roommate and my my friend who despises big sp- set piece action films uh he walked in on me and another friend watching this movie and he said what dude you're watching one more of these action <laughs> movies i was like yeah it is what it is like it's, it's a really good one though and he's like yeah yeah whatever and he was supposed to go out he stood in that spot for 45 minutes watching the film <laughs> <laughs> and he's like no i'm supposed to go it's no i'll go i'll go and he waited and he waited and i think finally when the when the tension drops just before they go to kashmir nepal whatever Um, mm. he's like okay now I really got to go but to come back and watch finish this so it's that's the kind of impact this movie has it's it's uh, my dad walked out of it and said damn <laughs> I was like pa why do you do all these things huh like it's your age only and he's like oh, of course of course why do you doing it 
<laughs> I keep joking like with my dad as well like Tom Cruise yeah. I think 2 years older than my dad I'm like papa he's older yeah. than you what are you doing yeah <laughs> also like uh, we are moving we're shifting houses in in a, a couple of weeks where in the new house we're planning to get like a projector instead of a TV and I, I have like three films in mind which I want to play on the projector once we've set it up and all one is Mad Max Fury Road One is 1917 uh-huh. and the third is uh, Fallout. I just want to watch it in like 150 in screen at home with the sound bar. Just, you know, get that pseudo theater experience. Yeah. I think that it, it warrants it. It deserves to be watched in as big a screen as you possibly could. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. That's the episode. Uh, yep, I know it, we spent a little time talking about Fallout, but this is our, you could consider this to be the Mission Impossible episode because we traversed the length and breadth of the franchise giving our thoughts on everything we liked and we disliked but anyway we'll be back next week uh probably a nolan film let's 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 figure out what the nolan film is and yeah, uh, we can do that we'll see you soon bye bye